Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. the same last name when you're born again it's a whole other story Amen. you are supposed to honor your mother and your father no matter what young people but there's something else there's something about the people of God amen amen it doesn't matter if you're black you're white you're brown amen God is good amen Amen. How about we just go with the Holy Ghost today? How about that? Is that all right? All right. That's all right. I give Pastor honor. I love my man of God. I was on the phone with him today. And uh, I don't know what we talked about, but we talked about something. He told me he was going to top golf. He asked me if I've been. I said, I don't golf. So. Um, I appreciate him and everything that he does, and uh, just keep him in your prayers, amen, as they're traveling, and, and just pray for the women that are going to ladies' conference, that God would do a work in y'all, amen, that God would just do something to you guys, and, and just, if you got a hunger, that you'd be fed, and if you're thirsty, that you'd be, you'd get a drink, amen, and you'd be charged, amen, I saw little Levi, he was worshiping, man, did y'all see that? He was shouting too. I'm like, I was smiling right here, worshiping. Like, ah. Amen. I love seeing these young young kids worship the Lord. Amen. It's beautiful. Amen. Without further ado, I give everybody honor. Just stand for the reading of the word. I'm going to turn to the book of Psalms. And I don't know if I'm going to preach, teach, but we're just going to. I know I'm going to read the Bible. That's what I always do. So, Psalms chapter 5. And I'll start in verse, I'll start in verse 4. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 4. Amen. When you got to say amen. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 5, beginning in verse 4, For thou art not a God 
that hath pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. That's powerful. That's a powerful scripture. He said, you're not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in your sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. For thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and the deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Because of my enemies, make, my, make thy way straight before my face. For there, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and they flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God, and let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out into the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Amen. One more time, I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall the evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight, and thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. Thank you, brother. That was a beautiful plan. Man. Amen. Amen. This is this is a psalm. This is the beginning of Psalms. You guys have probably all read it. And you can turn me down a little bit, bro. Um, it's Psalm chapter 5. David right here. He begins this psalm. He says that, God, you're going to hear me in the morning. He said, you're going to hear my cry. I think it's verse 3. He begins to he begins to pray. He says, "My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto Thee, and I will look up." Amen. Because God's above you. God's above me. God's not your equal. He's not your homie. Even though he's a friend that's this closer than a brother, he's God. He's above you. He's above me. And because one time, oh, here we go, rabbit trail already. One time I was in prayer and I was having problems and I was dealing with things and God spoke to me very clearly and He said, where am I? And I was like, well, you're in heaven. You're, you're, on, you're on the throne. Yeah. And He's like, well, where's that? And I'm like, it's above, above me. <laughs> he's like, well, what does that mean? He's, and I was like, that means you're bigger than all my problems. It's just that simple. Little things like that. But we forget where God's at and we forget who He is and where He's at. So God just He'll speak simple things like that to you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You, you, if you're waiting for God to be like, Sister Anna, praise God. This is the Lord. <laughs> you're you're going to be waiting for a long time probably. Yeah. But the Lord will speak to you as a still small voice, an impression, things like that. And so David, he's saying, you know what, God, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to look up because that's where you are. And he says, for thou art not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall the evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. See, these scriptures, we could read past them because we're like, oh, that's not me. But there's something about me that I read that and I'm like, I want to know every time God says he doesn't like something, I want to make sure that I'm not that. Right. 
I want to make sure I avoid that. I want to make sure that I don't become that. I want to make sure that I, I do my best to, 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 to be opposite of what God doesn't like. I want to be what God likes. Amen. I want to be what God approves of. I don't want to be fool. I don't want to be a foolish person that, that the Bible says that shall not stand in his sight. I want the Lord to see me. I want the Lord to look upon me. I want the Lord to, to gaze down and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? Amen. And the Bible says that he hates all the workers of iniquity. And um, and that that word iniquity, I, I'm not really going to. Feel, I feel like I probably preached that a bunch of times. I don't know. It's always on my mind. Because iniquity, the, another word for iniquity. Does anybody know what iniquity is? Raise your hand if you do. Group say it. Preach it. Come on. Oh, on the spot, sorry, bro. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, sin. That's a, we get a lot of things. Sin is like just like we're just gonna say, yeah, it is sin. Yes. Lawlessness. It means lawlessness. Iniquity means that's one synonym is lawlessness, but another word is self-will, where you do what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. That's basically iniquity. If I could break it down on, on, a, on a basic level, it's where God says this, but you say, ah, I know you said that, but I'm just going to do it my way. That's iniquity. You do what you want, not what God wants, okay? We're talking about slave today. My priest, we'll see. Amen. But, but he says he hates all the workers of iniquity that all you do is what you want to do. God doesn't like that because you're not submitted to God. You're your own God. You're idolater. You're rebellious. You're stiff-necked. And that's why he's like, hey, I tried to talk to you, but you just, he that has ears, let him hear. But you ain't hearing those that work iniquity. Okay? And so the thing is, is iniquity is a big problem to God because God wants you to be saved. But you can't get saved your way. You can't get saved through iniquity. You can only get saved by his grace, through faith, according to the word of God. You can't just make your own book, Dana, and try to, try to make your way to heaven. That'd be iniquity. I can't just go up here and preach a different gospel. Because that's iniquity. I can't preach a different Jesus because there's already one Jesus. He's the real one. If I preach a different one, that's iniquity. God hates all that. He abhors that, okay? I'm just trying to be slow. We're just going somewhere. And, and in 1 Kings and in 2 Chronicles, we're going to read about a king who... who this king, his name's Jeroboam. And let's turn there. Let's turn there. First Kings chapter eleven. First Kings chapter eleven. And this king Jeroboam, we're gonna find out. I, I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of this because I don't feel like you guys are up to the task to read the whole Bible tonight, unfortunately. But First Kings chapter eleven starts out with Solomon, and Solomon. I'll read verse 1. It says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Zidonians and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of it, You shall not go in unto in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your heart away after their gods. But Solomon clave unto these in love. He was full of what? Iniquity, the smartest man in the world. 
The man who had the golden age of Israel, who literally in, in his, up until this part of, of his life, even, even this part, the kingdom was intact. He, had, he built his dad's temple that his dad prepared. He was filthy rich and he just grew richer and richer. There was peace. He had no war until he was so smart that he forgot about what God said. What God said, you shall not do what you're doing. Don't do what you're doing, Solomon. You're, you're messing everything up. But it's iniquity. And so what happens is, skip down to verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which, this is important, which, which had appeared unto him twice. God had already appeared physically like the Shekinah glory filled the temple the day that they opened that baby up. And Solomon was close to God. And God saying, I've already appeared unto you twice. You've been in my very presence. I've blessed you. You are the smartest human being the Bible says that ever lived. That's what the Bible says. That there's nobody ever, that there's none, none before, none after that will ever be as smart as Solomon. Right. But yet we see that the, Lord, the, 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 the anger of the Lord is upon him now. And he said, and, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. He didn't keep the commandments. He lived. And he had inside of his own soul iniquity that had dominion over him. The iniquity that was within him had dominion over him. It controlled him. Everything that he did, how he responded to people that talked to him. The iniquity came out of him. Yep. And he responded to these women that he knew wasn't right, but yet the urge within him to do what he wanted to do rather than what he knew was right. Took control over him. And he, he, he lived under the yoke, not of the Lord, but under the yoke of his own self-will. And so we see what begins to happen is God tells Solomon, he says, you know what? You done messed up and now I'm going to rent the kingdom. I'm going to split the kingdom up because of you. Now, this great people of God, this great people where everybody, even Queen of Bathsheba would, or Queen of Bathsheba, the Queen of Sheba, she would come. And she would bow down and she would say, oh, it is true. They haven't even told me the half of how really magnificent your kingdom is and all this stuff. But now it's worth nothing. It's rent. Like a garment. Like if I just grab your jacket and just be worth nothing. Unless you give it to Micah and he'll sew it up for you. <laughs> but the Bible says. And. The Bible says, we're going to go to verse 26, and this is where we're going to focus. We're going to focus on this man named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was a servant unto the king Solomon. He was a servant. We look at, we find him in verse 26. It says, and Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the Ephrathite uh, of Zerita, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zerah, a widow woman. Even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king, that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo. 
and repaired the breaches of the city of David his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him a ruler over the charge of the house of Joseph. Okay, so literally Jeroboam was a servant in the king's house. He was a mighty man. He was a good man. He was an industrious man. And Solomon, in the days prior to Solomon getting all messed up, he saw Jeroboam and he put Jeroboam as a leader over the house of Joseph. So this is our introduction to who Jeroboam is. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way and that he clad himself with a new garment and the two were alone left in the field. So the, the prophet sees Jeroboam walking. Jeroboam's wearing some fresh new threads. Probably King Solomon got it for him or something. He's like, check it out. And the prophet sees him and it's just him and it's him and the prophet. That's kind of scary to be alone with a prophet. I went to this meeting one time and I, they're like, hey, yes, on the platform. I didn't know anybody except one person. He wasn't even there. He was, I don't know where he was. And uh, I had to sit next to this guy and they're like, hey, bro, that guy you're sitting next to, he's a prophet. <laughs> I was tripping. I was repenting, God. If this guy's gonna read my mail, this guy's gonna, I don't know what this guy, you know, just God forgive me. He didn't call me out, but hey, you never know. You need to be right. Just in case you're walking down the street and you're next to a prophet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I was tripping. So I get I guarantee Jeroboam's like, I know that guy, that guy's a prophet. And Hijin caught the new garment that was on him. This is what the prophet did. You think you're all cool until the prophet gets a hold of you. And Hijah caught the new garment that was on him and he rent it in 12 pieces. Man, this new thread this guy's wearing, the prophet grabs it and he rips it up into 12 pieces. And he said unto Jeroboam, take these 10 pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and I will give 10 tribes to thee. Now that's fire. Here's this dude, a servant to the greatest king of the world or greatest kingdom of the world, greatest people, the people of God, and a prophet comes up to you, yeah, he rips up your new threads, but he says, hey, look, it, out of these 12 pieces, you're going to get 10. I'm going to, you, you're just a servant, bro. You're nothing. You're just, yeah, you're a servant. You're the house of Joseph. That's cool. But I'm about to give you 10 tribes. You're going to be a ruler over, that's over half, bro. Let's count. 10 out of 12, that's a majority. And he's giving it to this man. And the thing is, do we see what happens? So he gets, a, he gets a word from the Lord. He says, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and I will give it to thee. And this is the reason in verse 33, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, Milcom, the god of, the, of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. Amen. So we see Solomon, even though his dad was, was David, the king, the man after God's own heart, he had a promise. He had, he had, he had the, 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 that God told him that there's going to be someone of your seed always on the throne. But now because Solomon was so bound and so full of iniquity, 
and just careless with the things of God. He said, you didn't obey my commandments. You didn't obey my statutes. And you wound up, the people wound up because of your foolishness. They wound up serving other gods. And he says, I'm going to rent the kingdom out of, the, out of this hand. And then he says this, how be it, I won't take all the kingdom. And he tells, he tells him that I will always have something for David. And Benjamin and Judah were actually combined in those days. So they were one tribe. They like absorbed into each other. And he explains that right here. And then he says this. In verse 37. And I will take thee and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth. And thou shalt be king over Israel. I don't know if you guys are like following me. This guy was a nobody. God says, look, this dude messed up. Now I'm about to give you some. Not because you're, you did anything special. But just because this dude missed out on God. This dude didn't obey God. This dude missed out. He didn't obey. He, he'd rather do what he wanted to do. But now here you are. You're about to inherit the kingdom. Ten parts of the, uh, of the kingdom. And he says, and he tells him straight up. He says this. I'm going to give you all that your soul desires and you shall be a king over Israel. And it shall be if everybody say if, if. it shall be if thou will hearken unto all that I command thee and will walk in my ways and do that that is right in my sight. And to keep my commandment or excuse me, to keep my statutes and my commandments. As David, my servant, did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I have built for David. And I will give Israel unto thee. This dude wasn't from the line of David. But God is making a, he just cut out and trying to graft in somebody else. He's trying to cut out and he makes way and he says, it's contention, bro, you got it. If, if you walk in my ways, yeah. if you do what I say, you can have everything that your soul desires. If your soul is aligned with my will. Right. Yeah. You can have everything you want as long as that you're not, it's not all about you and it's about me and you walk in my ways and you obey my word and you do it my way. God's the same God. And so I'm talking about iniquity. And we're looking at this man as an example. So let's see. It says, and, and this is what happens. It says, and I, will, I, and I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. He's like, I'm doing this kind of like, it's kind of like, what do you do? We got two kids fighting. You got, there's three kids. And two kids are fighting over a toy. And you take the toy from the two kids that are fighting. And you give it to the one kid that's like picking his nose. Are you paying attention? That's what God's doing. He's like, they're over here. He's like, and the thing is, is what do you do that? You do that to make them learn a lesson. Right. Hey, I'm the boss. I can give this toy to whoever I want. Yeah. Amen. And I, am I making sense, guys? Yes. All right, I'm just trying to teach something here. I'm not trying to, I'm not, we're not trying to grab the rafters and stuff like that. I'm trying to teach something that's going to save your soul. Amen. 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 So we see what happens is that it says Solomon sought therefore, verse 40, Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, so this, this is fire. You need to realize that Solomon, bound in iniquity, smartest man in the world, sees what God's doing, knows that the prophet spoke to Jeroboam. And now what does Solomon have? Solomon has that same spirit that Saul had. Right. 
Solomon has that same spirit that Saul had whenever the kingdom started leaving Saul's hands and going to the hands of David. Now we see what happens is that you don't see you don't see Solomon repenting. You see him getting bitter. And you see him coming after the man who now has the favor of God on his life. And I'll just tell you this right now. When you start to be called out by God, when you start to be chosen by God and God says, you know what? I'm going to make you something. I got a plan for your life. The people that maybe you used to be around, that you used to maybe even serve, that maybe you used to minister to or something like that. When they see you begin to be exalted. You say, oh, and they'll get bitter. Why is that guy? Why did Brother Jacob get to pray for the offering today? Not me. <laughs> you think it's a joke. It's because there's iniquity in Solomon. That selfishness that it's mine. It's my way. I know the prophet said that, but I don't care. I know God's word said that, but I don't care. So we see Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. Jeroboam arose, fled into Egypt, unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Okay, so then what happens, I'm going to paraphrase. So then what happens is Solomon dies. Then Rehoboam, his son, comes. Rehoboam, his son, rises up into power. And just because somebody's the king's son doesn't mean the right for the king done. Okay? Just because somebody's somebody's son doesn't mean nothing in the eyes of God. God can care less about who your daddy is. That's why he raises up crackheads. That's why he raises up drunkards. That's why he raises up ex-homosexuals because he doesn't care. He wants to know, do you really love me? Will you take up your cross and deny yourself? So we see Rehoboam, he begins to reign in chapter 12. And what's fire is this, as you need to know, back in Psalms, I read it. He said, he said let them be destroyed un according to their counsels. We see when, when Rehoboam comes to, comes to the kingdom, Jeroboam's in Egypt still. But Jeroboam has this promise. Jeroboam has this word from the prophet of God, from the Lord himself, that, that I am going to give you ten parts of the kingdom. So Jeroboam's thinking, that's only, that only means there's one left. The Judah Benjamin hybrid. I got the majority. But he's in Egypt, right? But Rehoboam comes. And he comes to power. And the people come to Rehoboam. And the, the people begin to say, my Rehoboam, man, your dad put a heart, a heavy yoke on us, you know. And he did all these things with these gods. He's like, you know, what are you going to do for us? And Rehoboam goes to the council with the old men, to the elders. Rehoboam goes to the elders and he says, Brother Soto, the people are complaining about what my dad did. What, what should we do? And you say, the Bible says that the elders gave him good advice. He said, be good to the people. Treat them right. And the people will love you forever. They'll follow you wherever you go. But Rehoboam, he, didn't, he said, I don't want to hear that. He didn't want to listen to that council. He didn't want to listen to the elders because there's iniquity. And you see what happens is he goes, to, let's read it from, let's read it from, let's read it for ourselves. The Bible says, 
I'll start in verse 6 so you can read it. It says, And the king and King Rehoboam consulted with the old man that stood before Solomon his father, while he yet lived, and said, How do we advise that I answer these people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto the people this day. He said, If you'll be a servant. If you'll be a servant, King Rehoboam. If you'll be a servant and serve the people. If you'll serve them and answer them and speak good words to them. Then they will be your servants forever. Rehoboam didn't like that. He didn't like someone. I just became king. Do you know who my daddy was? You're telling me that I have to serve? So you see, he says, but he forsook the counsel of the old men, which he had, which had given him. And he consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. He took the advice of his peers rather than the pillars. Rather than the ancients, rather than the man that sat at the feet of the smartest man in the world. They'd rather care about the carnal, the carnal friends. They'd rather, instead of talking to the pastor, instead of talking to somebody that fears God, they'd rather call and hit up Snapchat and take a poll. They'd rather hit up Instagram and see what, see what the homie said. And you know what the homie said? The homie said, you know what? Your, your daddy, had, yeah, he treated him bad, but you tell the people... That you're going to treat them worse than your daddy did. Ha <laughs> ha. And he did. He said, my daddy, yeah, he whipped you. He said, but I'm going to get you with scorpions. Maybe you don't believe me. And he spake to them. I'm in verse 14. And he spake to them after the counsel of the young men saying, my father made your yoke heavy. And I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips. But I will chastise you with scorpions. You need to be careful where you get your advice from. You need to be careful who you let speak into your life. You need to be careful who you reject. You reject the elders. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just going to say it. These old people know more than you. They know more than me. And that's why we got them. That's why they're precious. And that's why you see the opposite is true in the satanic world that we live in. Is they literally try to kill the elders. They try to silence the elder. They try to box him in a little building. They say, oh, you're just crazy. Oh, it's different now. And then we'll just say, oh, we'll just go and talk with our little friends and see what our 16-year-old friend has to say. They don't know nothing. You don't know anything, Joe. I'm sorry, bro. How old are you? 21? You don't know anything. I barely know it. The only, the only reason why I know anything is because when I was 17, I had a baby. I got married at 19, and I've lived a lot of life and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And that's how you learn. And when you're young, we're supposed to learn from the elders' pain and the elders' suffering. Because they know what it's like. They know what it's like to feel pain. They know what it's like to make mistakes. And you see that this man was so full of iniquity that he didn't care what the elders had to say. Didn't care. Didn't care. Solomon didn't care what the preacher said. Solomon didn't care what the word said. He was so smart and he had so much stuff. It didn't matter anymore. Now we see his son following in his daddy's footsteps. And the thing is, is what happens is, is Jeroboam comes out of Egypt. Jeroboam comes out of Egypt and he's with the people. And the people are like, hey, Jeroboam, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? And this is what happens. So when all of Israel, verse 16, so when all of Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king saying, what portion have we with David? 
Neither have we inheritance in the son Jesse to your, to your tents. O Israel, now see to thine own house. David, so Israel departed to their tents. For, but as for the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent to Adoram, who was with the tribute. And you know, the, the guy wanted to try to take taxes. They wanted to kill him. Verse 19. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Verse 20. And it came to pass when all of Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again. The people began to hear that Jeroboam was back. They knew about Jeroboam. And they sent and they called to the congregation. And they made Jeroboam king over all of Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. So we see that the prophecy comes to pass. Jeroboam comes out of Egypt. And he's just trying to get Rehoboam to do his job. Be a good guy. But the thing is, is that he wasn't. And the people see Jeroboam and they're like, hey, bro. Maybe he, maybe he told people about the prophecy. I don't know. But they're like, or maybe it's just self-fulfilling. And the people made Jeroboam king right then and right there. And what's crazy about this story, what's crazy about this story is it progresses. Rehoboam, he gets mad because 10 parts go to Jeroboam. And now Rehoboam isn't big bad king anymore that's going to chase people with scorpions or whatever he's going to do. Whip them with scorpions. It's probably some kind of crazy torture thing or something. But now Rehoboam, he's that control freak. He doesn't have all that control anymore. And so what does he do? He tries to go to war and tries to kill the people now. But we see the prophet of God comes. He says, don't do that. But this is the part of the story that really struck me. Is what Jeroboam does. Knowing that God is on his side. Knowing that God had called him. Knowing that God had set him apart. Knowing that God had gave him a promise. Saying, I'm going to give you everything your heart desires. Knowing that, knowing that he's going to have the kingdom of Israel. That he, there was no way that he would ever be king. But because God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And this is what Jeroboam does. Verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the Mount of Ephraim. And he dwelt therein. And he went out from thence and he built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart. Uh oh. What is he going to say? Now shall the kingdom return unto the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, little, little, little L, even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Literally, he's the king. But you see this little tick. Of doubt, jealousy. He said, if they go to worship their God, they're not going to come back. They're not going to love me anymore. I'm, they're going to pick someone else over me. I'll be all alone. And so what does he do? Whereupon, whereupon the king took counsel. Again, counsel. I don't know who he took counsel. He took counsel with some dummies. But he took counsel. So I, I read this. I'm just telling you, you need to make sure who you're taking counsel with. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. Whereupon the king took counsel and he made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. 
Oh, Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Must have been talking to Aaron's grandson or something. He's like, my grandpa made a calf out of gold one time. People liked it. Yeah, people died after, but hey, party for a little bit. Behold your gods. And he says, and he set one in Bethel and he said another, he put one in Dan. And this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. So what he said, he's like, it's too big of a burden. Because in the back of his mind, he's like, if the people go to Jerusalem, they're not going to come back. Because the temple was in Judah. So they'd have to go to the kingdom of Rehoboam. And he's like, they're going to go. And he got jealous. And there was that iniquity inside of him. That I can't let my control go. I can't, I can't just assume that God's going to do what God said he's going to do. I can't just assume that God's going to keep his word. I can't assume that God's going to take care of me. So I got to take it in my own hands. I got to figure something out. I got to make this happen. I got to make this happen. I got to make the prophecy of God happen. I got to make it happen. And I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to find some smart people that are going to help me. And they made a golden, two golden calves. Now it's double trouble. They made two golden calves. And the people, instead of going to Jerusalem, they began to compromise and take the easy way. Because Jerusalem's kind of far. It's kind of far. So now you go halfway and there's a golden calf right there. And you felt good. Man, I did my job. Praise God. I burned a little smoke, a little smoke, smoke. Did my thing. And now everybody's filled with iniquity. You see, it starts, it's a trickle effect. It's a trickle effect. You look in the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. The, 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 Ezra, I think it's Ezra, maybe Nehemiah. It's Ezra. He literally begins to rip out his beard because the people are living against the word of God. And what happened was is that the people were marrying, just like Solomon. They, they didn't learn from Solomon. They, they were marrying women, strange women, Moabites, Ammonites. I know it's kind of boring, but this is, this is good. The thing is, is that they began to do things that were against the word of God. And they married and they even had children. And if you look, it, it's in Nehemiah. If you look, who, who was the culprit? It was the very high priest that had a wife that was a Canaanite. And the thing is, is it trickled down from the leadership all the way down to the people. It is the leaders partook. And so the people partook. You see this leader filled with iniquity. You see Solomon Filled with iniquity, brought in other gods, people worship other gods. You see here, we see Jeroboam. He's doing his thing, filled with iniquity, and here we go. He makes some golden calves. And the Bible says this, and this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house of the high places, and the priests, and made priests of the lowest people, which were not of the sons of Levi. The thing is, is he began to just make anybody a priest. Anybody could be a preacher. Oh, bro. Man, I like your smile. Get up here. Do something for the people. And you know what happens? Let's turn to 2 Chronicles. I'll show you what happens. 2 Chronicles, this is what happens. Is, is the, he began to call out people that weren't supposed to be priests. Weren't supposed to be preachers. Weren't supposed to be making sacrifices. And this is what happened. Verse uh, chapter Second Chronicles chapter eleven verse thirteen, and the priests and the Levites that were in Israel resorted to him out of other coasts, 
For the Levites left their suburbs and their possessions and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. And he ordained him priests for the high places and for the devils and for the calves that he made. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord their God their fathers. The thing is, is he pushed out the preachers. He pushed out the people that kept the word of God. That were Their whole life was oriented about serving God. And Jeroboam pushed them out. Uh, we were preaching on the street Monday. And some kids said, I, I like Jesus, but I don't want to hear preaching. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what they did. We, yeah, we like God, but we don't want to hear none of that. We know that you know the law. We know that you know all that. So get out. And we're going to just make our own little rascals. And that's why you got so many false doctrines. That's why you got so many different churches. That's why you got so many different beliefs is because people have itching ears and they want to have their priest be what just what how they want it. A priest for hire, a, a hireling. And so what happens is, is everybody that loved God left. Everybody that loved God said, you know what? I don't care if my house is right here. I don't care if my land's right here. I'm going to go where the people still serve God. I'm going to go where the people still call on the one true God. You're over here worshiping some stupid calf, but I'm going to worship God. And so they left. It says they left and they went to Jerusalem. And the same message applies today. If you're in some place that's, that's playing patty cake and it's wishy-washy and they don't really serve God, the God of the Bible. They don't really serve God and walk in his statutes and they make shortcuts and they make excuses and they serve God and they're full of iniquity. You better find your place. You better find a place where they worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. I know. I know that. And so what we see happen, what we see happen is Jeroboam, he winds up losing everything. He does all this. The prophet comes back. He's like, you know what? You're an idiot. He said the bones of the prophet or of the priest that you've made, they're going to be burnt upon these altars that you've made. And you know what happens is that prophet prophesies such a powerful prophecy. He prophesies that there's coming a man named Josiah. That Josiah doesn't come for 300 years. But he prophesied him by name. Right. He said Josiah is going to come. And he's going to burn your prophets, your priests on that altar. And the thing is, is from this point where Jeroboam, he brought in the calf worship. And ever since then, calf worship never left. Yep. And it even mixed in Israel. What you allow because of your selfishness, your jealousy, your bitterness, your pride. It doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody around you. I heard a preacher today who was dealing with discouragement and depression. He said that there was, he was being tormented by demons. And the demons would tell him, you know what? Just kill yourself, dude. Kill yourself. Just kill yourself. You get rid of all this shame and get rid of all this guilt. And just kill yourself. And the Lord began to just deal with him. He said, if you kill yourself, you're not just going to take your life. He's like, you're going to take your wife's husband. You're going to take your children's father. You're going to kill the pastor of this. You're going to murder the pastor of this church. You're going to murder somebody. The thing is, is all, what we do in our actions, they affect other people. And let's just keep going. Let's go to Proverbs 10, 29. I'm going to close here in just a minute. Proverbs 10, 29. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 29, the way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Very plain. 
Very plain. And there's more, there's more about that story of Jeroboam. If you want to read it, you go read it. But the thing is, is it highlights how a man can have such a powerful impact, such a powerful calling. A man that had no chance, but yet God gave him a chance. And he threw it all away. And he did his own desire, his own will. And he lost out. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus warns of this very, this very thing. And I use this scripture all the time when I'm out preaching. And the Bible says in Matthew 24 that in the end times that the love of many will wax cold because of iniquity. That people are going to stop loving God because you just got better things to do, bro. You're going to stop loving God because a trial was a little too hot. You're going to stop loving God because... The movies are cooler. I would rather, I'd rather spend my time at the movies. You're going to stop loving God because something came up. Not you. I'm just saying they. That's what the Bible says. That's a prophecy. That's not me. It says the love of many will wax cold because of iniquity. But Jesus, he goes through this. And I'm going to read this. And we're going to close here. The Bible says in, in 7.13, it says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We need to, we need to put that in our heart. Wide is the gate, and broad is the road. That leads to hell. It's easy to go to hell. Yeah. I know. That's how I feel. It's not. You're not going to get to heaven by accident. Yeah. And then he goes on. He says, beware of false prophets. He says, beware of false prophets. Why? It's the same reason. It's that counsel. Be careful who you counsel with. Be careful who you fellowship with. Be careful who you let speak in your life. Keep on going. He says this. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, verse 21. Not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? And in that name have we done many wonderful works and then I will profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that were iniquity he said I don't know you that's scary he said because all you care about is you you're self-centered you don't have your cross The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 6, it says, By mercy and truth is iniquity purged out. The thing is, is we all suffer from iniquity. We all suffer with, not thy will, but my will sometimes. But that's why Jesus said, when he began to take the cup, he said, who can take this cup? The cup of God's wrath was about to be poured on Jesus Christ. The hardest thing that you'll never endure. Yeah. 
And he said, now my will was showed he had no iniquity. And that's why he said, the prince of this world has nothing in me. He said, the prince of this world has nothing in me because I am empty of myself. That's what this is all about, is emptying you of Michaela and putting in Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Getting that iniquity out, saying, not my will, not Joel, not your passions, not your desires, but God's will. And he says, for those that choose not to be like that, he says, I don't know you. Yeah, you've used my name in vain. You didn't use my name to get closer to me. You used my word as height, but I don't know you because you're full of iniquity. Amen. And the thing is, I'll preach it out of my own. This is something that I talk about to myself. I don't want to be full of iniquity. I don't want to be full of my own desires, my own passions. And the Bible says, by mercy and by truth is iniquity purged. Isaiah says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That he was bruised for our iniquity. Because iniquity is internal. He was wounded for your transgressions because those are external. Everybody can see that. But the internal that nobody else sees. The motives in your ego. Your pride. Your selfishness. Your bitterness. Your jealousy. Your envy. Let us not be like Jeroboam. Where we fear. We have a great promise to go to heaven. We have a great promise that these signs shall follow him. We have a great promise that he'll never leave nor forsake. But let us not grow weary in well-doing that we may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. That we would lay down our lives. That we would deny. He said, if any man follow me, who's trying to follow Jesus? Are we trying to come to church? Or are we just trying to, are we trying to follow Jesus? I got a couple hands. Who's trying to follow Jesus? All right, two hands. He said, if you're going to be a follower of me, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me every day. And when we stop denying ourselves, that's where that iniquity starts to bubble up. Amen. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed. I know we say that all the time. We're going to pray like we didn't ever pray before. But we really need to pray. We really need to fast like we've never fasted before. If you don't have a constant fasting regimen, you need one. Because without it, you're carnal. I know you guys don't like this. That's fine. But the thing is, is I want to get to heaven. And I'm not going to make no golden calf and make everybody feel good. I'm just going to preach what the Word says. And the Word says that there's going to be people that don't make it because of iniquity. That are going to know Jesus. They're going to say that they know Jesus, but God doesn't know them. Yeah, they've done a lot of cool things for the kingdom. But they're full of themselves. Let us not be like that, church. Let us not be like that. Let us not be trying to build our own kingdom like Jeroboam said. Build it all around, be self-centered, all about me. 
All about me. All about me. Oh, what, what's going to get me the glory? What's going to get me the attention? What's going to get me the phone call to go and preach? What's going to get me? Me, me, me. Right. Me. Amen. Meanwhile, there's people dying everywhere. There's people. This whole thing's about Jesus and it's about people. It's not about you. And it's not about me. Amen. Let's stand right now. David said in Psalms 119, he says, Lord, order my steps in your word that iniquity will not have dominion over me. That's the only way. That iniquity, your selfishness, your selfish desires is not going to have dominion over you. Is if your feet are walking in the word of God. That's why you need to read the word of God. Order my steps in your word, God. Let's reach out to the Lord right now. God, your word says by mercy and by truth, God. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for your mercy. God, I'm thankful for your mercy that's renewed every day. Without it, we would have no hope. But because you are rich in mercy, we have hope. Because you are a merciful God, full of grace and full of truth. Let your word, let your truth purchase, God, of iniquity. Let it search our hearts, God. Search me, God. See if there be any wicked way, God. See if there be any bitterness, Lord. See if there be any jealousy or envy, God. Remove that competitiveness out of my soul, God. Remove those selfish desires, Lord. Let my life be emptied out of me, God. Let it be just poured in of you, God. Fill me with the love, Jesus, of sacrifice. Hallelujah. 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 